Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. You know, deep down in the heart of every human being, there is a longing for God. There is a thirst for the Lord. And I believe that the Lord himself planted that longing in the heart of man. And I believe that unless that longing is one day fulfilled, in other words, unless the Lord becomes part of the soul and blesses the soul, no matter what people have, no matter what people gain, no matter whom people know, they will never be complete and they'll never be happy. We need God in our hearts in order to be real, in order to experience the real life. Now, in the Bible, there are so many, practically, if you open the Word of God, you may find from Genesis to Revelations, like two springs of, of love, two springs of, of grace that come from the heart of God. One is about God seeking us, reaching out to us. He's trying without any interruption to get to the heart of every human being. And you see God running running to catch the prodigal, his daughter, his son, who are departing from him. Another dimension or another spring is God's invitation. Come back. Reach out to me. Seek me. And I found there are many. I would mention to you some of them, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah 55. Remember this, O Jacob, Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions. And like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed thee. Isaiah 44, 21, 22. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Jeremiah 29, from 11 to 14. I'll read some of the words. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And then you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. All these are somehow indicating that you and me have to do something in this process of, of finding the Lord or receiving the Lord in the heart. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. From one direction, 
It is the Lord seeking, crying after us, calling us back, trying to, to catch, to, to get to the heart of the human being. On the other hand, it is the same God who tells you and me, hey, you need to do something. Seek me. Pray to me. Return to me. I have redeemed you. Now, apparently, when we focus on this, it's like, I must do it. I must pray. I must, surely. But I will take your mind back to the first human being who sinned. It was Adam who tried to return to the Lord, or it was the Lord coming to meet Adam. Friends, the Bible says, the Bible says Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That's what the human being does from them, from that time up to this time. There is no a natural seeking of the Lord in my heart. If you see it, something divine happened in me. In fact, if Adam and Eve had been left to initiate the process of seeking God and returning, we would have never had a world as we have today. Because they would have died very soon in loneliness and away from God. There was nothing in Adam and Eve to long for the Lord at that time. Which tells me and tells you how terrible sin is. Don't play with sin. You may be a holy person. You may be a righteous person. And commit one sin. And tell me after that how much you love righteousness and holiness. So we see that it is God who initiates the process. It is God who is seeking. It is God who is looking for us. And this is the discovery. When you see me seeking the Lord, when you see other people crying to God, friends, even our seeking, it is the result of His Holy Spirit working and moving upon the heart. But now, somehow, I must do something, because if I'm like this, and never move, and never say anything, and never respond, I mean, I'm afraid that I'll be lost. But let's conclude a little bit. It is God who seeks you, seeks you first. It is not you. It is God who loves you first. We love him because he first loved us. It is God who gives you his grace first. And because you receive the grace, you return to him. It is God who speaks to you first. It is God who invites you first. It is the Lord who sends his spirit first to you. It is Christ who was sent first to seek you. It is, it's God who seeks sends his holy angels to minister to you first. And it is God's church that says, come, inviting you first. 
from Genesis to Revelation, you find this truth. In the beginning, the Lord was saying, Adam, where are you? And he still asked every human being, calling him or her by name, because we are dear to the heart of God. The culmination, the culmination of this, uh, of this seeking process happens when Jesus himself comes from heaven. It is like God said, my son, take everything I have in heaven. Take the whole heaven with you and go to them and tell them, I love them. And their happiness depends on believing my love and returning to me. But the last page of the Bible, if you read the, practically some of the last words of the Bible, you hear the bride and the spirit saying, come. You see, in the beginning, God, where are you, Susie? At the end, the spirit in the church says, come, Susie. It is the Lord at every step of the way. My friends, this is the second material prepared for Saving Grace Church. The guests may have one when they leave the church. My fear is that, you know, we have so much to do every day. We're so busy and we have so much to study. I mean, praise God for the, the flood of the, of the books and the materials. Even the lessons we, leave, we, we read, I mean, we study, they are so great, so powerful. Please take it seriously. Some of the things you know. I'm not giving you new material. Maybe most of the things you have heard, you have read, you have, you have met, you know, somehow. But now they are put in a very simple form. One, two pages per day. To create a biblical and spiritual mindset. And to take us from where we are to where we must be in the, in the service of the Lord, reaching out to souls and bringing them to the cross. We live the last days. We live in the last days. We must have a new approach. I mean, if, if we don't do something different, we'll never get anything different. And this requires, I can tell you from the whole Bible, there were times when a group of two, three people here, another group of two, three people there, another group of six, seven over there, they met together and they prayed together and they discussed together about the, the business of the Lord and they were revived together and they were doing great things together. I beg you, I urge you, meet two, three family here, two, three family in another place, two, three family in another place. Meet together. Take the material. When you meet, focus on the day when you meet. But you may together summarize a little bit what you met in the material up to that day. 
and pray, my friends, and ask Sister Mills, how did you apply this principle? How, how does it work? I was very impressed, by the way, when Sister Mills said, I just come from Sister Brown. We, we read together the material. We, we, we met to study. It doesn't necessarily uh, need to be in a formal way, or only the elder, or only the pastor. No. Two or three people meet, you read together, one will have the initiative to lead a little bit because it's always one who has somehow the gift will take over. And finally, we say what we have read, we, we share what we have understood, what we are impressed with, and we pray and we learn from each other. I have names. Wednesday evening, the prayer meeting here goes, please, for the next weeks, use the material. You have already Sister Grace, Brother Knight, they, they may be responsible for Wednesday. So everyone may come Wednesday, but usually I observed not too many people come Wednesday. Friday evening, Brother Campbell has, he meets some people, come to have a, a prayer group with Brother Campbell. But you are in other places. So I would say Brother Parchment, around him may be a group. Uh, Brother Gail can lead a group. Brother Knight, he's Wednesday evening. Sister Mills, she goes to Sister Brown. Maybe she'll find somebody else. Uh, to Kiss family, one of the elders, please meet before we leave the church and decide who is going to go talk with them which evening they prefer and go and have a moment of prayer with them over there. Brother Thompson, he will go to Tennessee. He'll have a group over there. We give him the material. Yeah, if I didn't mention him, no matter how enthusiastically like I, I try to be, I see you are tired already. You know? So I, I mentioned and you were, you're like up. That was in a second in my mind, mentioned this way. <laughs> uh, Sister Michelle, with the praise team, you may, you know, you may, when you come for, uh, for example, to repeat or whatever, re to rehearse, you may have at that time. Brother Joseph, I mean, we have seen, you are gifted. So, church members, you see, talk with him. Maybe some of us live around his house. You may lead a, a group. Brother Henderson, he has hidden. Brother Errol, you may take the young people and talk with them when when they can and do something. And I believe that this is a little of what we have, a part we have in the process of getting revived. Brother Parchman at the end of the presentation will give you the material. It takes you a little bit deeper than the previous material. And by the grace of God, the next ones are meant to take you even more practical to give some specific suggestions how to pray, how to believe, how to meditate upon the Word of God, how to study the Word, how to apply the Word on a daily basis, how to reach out to a person, how to bring a soul to Christ. This is on my heart. And the majority of the thoughts are from the Bible, Spirit of Prophecy. You'll see when you see that the English is not 
like the rest is from Pastor Greg, <laughs> because he tries to, to formulate a little bit different from the flow, you know? Uh, and, and I prayed over this, and I, I'm, I believe this is what we must do. Now, nobody forces you. You decide what you are going to, to do it. But remember, from Genesis to the last book of the Bible, it is God who is reaching out to us. It is God who is inviting us. But what I, am I supposed to do in the middle of this too? I must do something so that I'm with God in the process. And now, at the end of this time, I'll take you to the sermon. This is not a sermon. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, this morning I would like to talk about worshiping you in the beauty of holiness. Some of us may have forgotten that we are called to be holy. And some of the us may not even dare to think of this because when we see how unholy we are, we are thinking, how in the world will I ever be holy? And that's true about me too, because the human being in himself is not holy. But you have something to say about this. And you have something to repeat to us that can open our hearts and can make us think, oh, I have a chance to. There is a way that I may become like Christ in character. Father, what I have discovered and what our people, your church has discovered, I believe, over the years, is that without holiness, no one will ever see God. We must become holy. Whether it is easy or it is the most difficult process, whether we give everything we have or we die for this in the process, but we must engage ourselves in the process of becoming holy. And my discovery is that holiness, it is so simple to achieve. By praying the right way, by opening the heart to God as to a friend, by worshiping God in this present condition, let's say we are not holy. But as we come to you with the longing to worship you, worship has something in it that transforms the worshiper into the image of God. So give us the words and give to your people, Lord, and my friends, the the attention they need and help us to do it in good time and in a way that will make all of us say, Father, make me holy because I don't have any other option. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'll use the screen that makes you a little bit, you know, you forces you to see. And uh, It's a part of the material you'll have in your hands. So I, I pray that the Lord will give me wisdom to not 
spend too much time on something because that's that's the, the, the temptation the temptation of the of the speaker you know to stay here too much to go further stay too much so the point the bible makes is that you and i are supposed to worship him in the beauty of holiness we start let's say pastor greg at this time he's not holy he's unholy told i mean you cannot be a little bit holy and you know 90 percent holy no 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 you either are holy or you're not but i'm coming to the lord because he put in me that longing and i say lord i'm coming to you and i begin to worship him and spend time with him and open the word and in the process i become holy my friends i that was that's the way this is why worship is so important you may come just as you are but you'll never remain the same because that's the beauty of holy uh, worship now as you become holy you worship him in the beauty of holiness now you understand you keep on doing it in the old testament holiness is associated with god and involves separation is like something some place or someone who is sacred consecrated set apart or dedicated to god you remember this right because it's nothing new it also includes obedience to God's law and standing blameless before him. So it's like you are set apart. And friends, we are set apart in this world as Christians to be totally to God, totally consecrated to him. I discovered two dimensions of holiness, being and doing. We are holy because of what Christ has done by setting us apart for his divine purpose. We are holy because Christ is dwelling in us. Amen. This flesh, until Jesus comes, totally unholy. Don't come to me and talk about holy flesh. I heard, you know, there is a group of people around the world. Holy, don't touch me. Give me a break. The person who says he or she is holy is not holy at all. As he dwells in us through his spirit, that's holiness. But there is another aspect. Holy doing, on the other hand, is simply living out in our lives the reality of being holy in Christ. Is manifesting what Christ has done in you. Is living out. Now, one clear point here is that the most important thing to remember is its source. God, only God can produce a holy life. Just as the clay in the beginning needed the hand of creator to work on it and the breath of life, now this is, okay, I'm moving, I'm doing, I'm speaking, but I can be spiritually dead. And only the creator, by touching my life and by giving to me his spirit, can make me holy. Very quick, Old Testament holiness. 
God intended Israel to be holy. His reasons were clearly conveyed through Moses. Consecrate you together. One, two, three. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Hey, you are a slave over there. You are unholy. I brought you out. I saved you. I delivered you. And now, be like me. In the New Testament, God presents the same standard for his children. He calls them to be holy. He makes known that his will is even your sanctification. He based the call to holiness on his relationship with people through the salvation he provided in Jesus and initiated by his own purpose and grace. The same God, the same standard. He never gives up on, on, on this standard. The relationship with God practically makes holiness necessary. The motivation for holiness is planted in the human heart at the moment of spiritual birth by the Holy Spirit and is based on the relationship God intends to have with his people. The words, I am the Lord your God, you are my people, be holy that I am holy are repeated over and over again through the scriptures. This shows clearly that God wants to maintain a relationship with his people and make them like himself. It's not an option. And if you and I, as Christians, live like the, the, the non-Christians, that means that our relationship with God is, is false, is not genuine, is not authentic. If the Lord didn't change my... <clears throat> temper. By the way, you, you'll never believe what temper Pastor Greg had. Never. I, I, I cannot believe myself. Now, sometimes I feel something is coming. I say, man, unbelievable. Because it was in my nature. But I don't remember many years to, to see myself as I used to be. Because I believe, I'm not talking I'm holy, I believe in my relationship with God, the Lord changed that. The Lord changes that. And now I would like to take you, I found eight biblical motivations, quick, you see one after one, that makes clear that there is no other way. First, I am the Lord who makes you holy. So forget about yourself, forget about what you can do, forget about that you can't, forget about that you are so sinful. No, I will make you holy. Just as I created the whole universe out of nothing, just as I created the first human being from that clay, I can make you holy. So here I am, Lord. Do it, please. Second, I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Holiness is being set apart to belong to God. Let yourself be set apart. You remember when Samson was uh, 
tempted by a, how you call it, Delilah? He said many times, he said, hey, I am different. I'm not like these people. And she would make pressure on him to, to do something so that he will be common. He'll be like the other ones. And the moment he accepted that, he lost the power of God that was in him. We are called to be different. And we, we may think as we go out into the world, I cannot be like this. I cannot act like this. I cannot think like this. I cannot watch this. I cannot listen to this. I cannot behave like this. Because I'm set apart to belong to the Lord. Third, you are holy. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. Hey, if you are friends with somebody, after some years, you are very close friends. This happens mostly in the family. Even the demeanor after a while, after years, is like, for example, I look at this family, Joseph. I mean, I, one time I was thinking to ask them and say, how in the world you are accepted to be married? Because you look like brother and sister. I mean, to me, they are, their demeanors are so close to each other. You understand? Because, so, if you walk with the Lord, if you are friends with the Lord, if you commune with the Lord, if you work with the Lord, you'll be like, like the Lord. He's holy, you'll become holy. Fourth. And so Jesus also suffered outside of the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Hey, friends. He shed the blood to make you holy. If you don't accept that, it's like he shed the blood in vain for you. He shed the blood in vain for me. No. Am I holy? No. Am I going to remain like that? No, I must do something. So, Lord, here I am. You pay the price. How can I? How can I remain the way I am? By the way, a drop of the blood of Jesus purifies you of all sins, cleanses you of all unrighteousness, and makes you holy at the same time. A single drop. Get it by faith. Fifth. The key to experience holiness is the Holy Spirit, whom God has sent into believers. It is the Spirit's presence that makes men saints, holy ones. My own spirit, my own nature, unholy. But when the Spirit of God comes, it's like, let's say you have a, 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 a container full of a certain liquid. But there is a special liquid now. Somebody said, hey, empty the container first. And I'll say, no, try to put the other, the other liquid. And then I say, there is a special liquid. When you pour the, the one, the old one is disappearing. Now, normally, you have to empty the container and put the, the new one. The Spirit of God can come into my life and finds misery and sin and everything. But when he comes, it's like he pushes out all the, the stains, all the pollution, all the corruption, all the immorality, everything. His presence 
make me, makes me holy. Why should I not accept that? It's so simple. I will not be able to do it. Sixth, holiness is to be manifested in all relationships and in all aspects of life. Be holy in all you do. I mean, it's very, it's very simple to be holy in this corner. As long as I don't have any one of you around. I mean, I spend time with the Lord, so it's like I'm holy. But when I'm coming here, if I act like a, like a wretched person, what is my holiness? We must be holy in everything we think, we speak, and we do. And it is God who does that. Seven, without holiness, no one will ever see the Lord. Okay, somehow on that great day, even the wicked ones will see Christ coming in the glory. But that glory is a consuming fire for the ungodly. So you may, people might see something, you know, it's happening. But that will be the end of them. While the holy ones, the sinful ones who became holy through his blood, they'll be empowered by the Lord to continue the relationship with Christ. They began here and keep the holiness and even grow into the full measure of Christ. Eight, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. The most difficult aspect of holiness is in the relationships with others. Man, you have to forgive, you have to forget, you have to be patient, you have to try again, you have to help, you have to serve, you have to be uh, unselfish. I mean, I'm tired already of all this I said, you know? When is my time? And I lost. I lost what I had before. Selfishness and holiness cannot coexist. The spirit of the world and the spirit of God will never live together. Sinful nature and Christ's righteousness will never make a pact. It's either Christ or Satan. Either the spirit of God or my own self. Let's go to the end. I found a definition of holiness. It's a, a quote from the Spirit of Prophecy. And I broke it out in pieces because you see better this way. It's the best I have ever found. First of all, you can see me like, you know, acting and being happy and enthusiastic and like in a rapture and say, man, what a holy person. And this is what practically happens in many places in the Christian world. The truth is, it is not a conclusive evidence that a man is a Christian or he is holy because he manifests spiritual ecstasy under extraordinary circumstances. Holiness is not rapture. Holiness is, you know, is living on this earth and living a real life. 
Let's see what is holiness. First thought, but this is a quote. Holiness is an entire surrender of the will to God. Not my will, Lord, but second, it is living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Feeds on the word because the word is feeding the new nature and destroys. This is why we study the Bible. We don't realize what happens, but destroys the sinful nature and builds up the nature of Christ. Third, it is doing the will of our Heavenly Father. First is surrender our will to God, but now is doing it. God is so simple, so easy to preach. Be holy, brother, be holy. And when I go out, keep your mouth. Or, you know, <laughs> there are other words I've never learned practically in, 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 this, in this language. And, uh, hey, no. It is doing the will of our Heavenly Father who says, love this person, forgive this person, help this person, show this person there is a better, a better way of living. Be my representative. Fourth, it is trusting God in trial, in darkness, as well as in the light. When everything is going right, we trust the Lord. The moment a little situation appears, Oh, what will happen with us? No. Holiness is remaining confident under the hand of the same God who was with you when you didn't have any problem. Trusting God. I mean, I, I like it. I, you, you love this quote, and you have it in the material. I like it so much. Without faith, you cannot even be pleasing to the Lord. One, two... Three, four, five. It is walking by faith and not by sight. For myself, I introduced some other words. Walking by faith and not by feelings or by sight. Because I might feel like, oh, I'll do something today, but tomorrow I have a, a toothache and I'm not able to be a Christian because I don't feel it. Our feelings, our emotions play a great role in our life. And most of us, I mean, everybody has emotions, so most of us are inclined to act when we fly and to not do anything when we don't fly. So, live by faith and not by sight. Six, it is relying on God with unquestioning confidence. Some are nuances, you know, you cannot separate them completely, but still here, the, the stress is on, uh, on relying on the Lord without any question, any doubt. And we know how sin came into the world. By doubt. By doubt. And how many of us have not asked, Do, does God really love me? I know who am I. Can God love a, a, a wretched person like me? Okay, I might be wretched, but Christ came into the world to save the sinner, not to condemn the sinners. And he paid the price. And the last one is resting in his love. That's from Acts of the Apostles, 
page 51. Resting in his arms. You know, there are two kinds of holy people. One category is like, don't touch them, they are holy. And they will walk like, you know, they are holy. And they will act like they are holy. And you don't want to stay with that person, even in your home. And if possible, when you see him, you might take another out. Because that kind of holiness doesn't have meaning to you. And there were holy people like that during Christ's time. One of them went to the temple, and instead of worshiping God, and instead of communing, communicating to him like, you know, to a friend, he began to talk about himself. He said, Lord, I've not seen one like me around. I mean, two times per week, I, I fast. And you know how rich I am, so... I don't even care for the tithe because it doesn't, you know, when, when you and me give a tithe, you feel maybe something, the pocket is, it's, you know, it's light now. When that person would give the tithe, I mean, you'll never see any, almost any change in the, in the numbers, Sister Susan, even though you are a specialist, say, hey, Pastor, when you take $1 from $1 million, it's less than one. The million is less than $1, you know? And I did do this and do that. He didn't care what God had for him, and he didn't come to receive something from the Lord. Friends, those holy people, they crucified Christ. When they met the Holy One of Israel, they couldn't live around him. They, 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 they began to, to, to grumble, to, to speak against him, to plot against him, and finally they crucified him. It's easy. And it is easy to become that kind of holy one when holiness is a very inactive and static uh, uh, experience. But when you remember that you have a place in the, world, in the world and you have a mission in the world and you need to reach out to the dying, to the weeping, to the sorrowful, to the sick, to the desperate, and you come to them to bring the bread of life, hey, that's another kind of holiness. It is Christ in you and makes you live out his goodness to others. I thank God I met holy people. They are the most beautiful and wonderful people on the face of this earth. They don't know they are holy. They don't say I'm holy. You'll never hear from a real holy person saying I'm holy. But they radiate around the love of God. One person, it was a member whom I had for years, maybe seven years or eight. I mean, a lady broken, completely broken, the knees broken, the shoulders broken, the op open heart surgery, diabetes, the, side, the, the vision was not good, so good at the end. She, I will find her 
singing. She will talk about Jesus the way nobody talks. And she would radiate such an atmosphere around her. She would tell me, Pastor, when I go to the hospital, she was taken to the hospital so many times. One time, she, go, she went without appointment. And, you know, she was like, doctor, so doctor said, listen, you come anytime you need. You don't need to call. You don't need to make any appointment. But she said, everybody loves me, Pastor. Everybody loves me. A small Indian lady. Her name, Sister Maraj. She became like my mom. Yeah. I would call her in the morning and say, he who calls first loves most. And that, that was, she would come, no, 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 she said, I love you more. Yeah. Sister Jackson, you, most of you church members have known Sister Jackson. Friends, we don't tell or don't talk about people while they are living, you know. <laughs> hey, we talk about holiness after they pass. A woman, up to the last moment, like, like she would think of the church, she would make a new project, she would, two Sabbaths ago, she called the, the women to make another program, you know. And everybody, I, I was around this family, and I heard there is no one, said Junior, her son, said, Pastor, I have never heard my mom saying a bad word, losing her temper, or, you know, doing something. Never. And it's the son. Yeah. Elder Jackson said, you know, when I would do something, we do sometimes things, the other one said, so instead of having her coming and, you know, rebuking her, I said, Daddy, why, why did you do it? Why did you do it? So calm, so simple, like, she made me really think, of why did I do it? I mean, and I would change. You'll come to the funeral this coming uh, not not tomorrow, but the following Sunday, and you'll hear testimonies. And she was sick for about five years, cancer. A cancer which the doctor said, listen, this kind of cancer after one year, it's up its victims. It's a miracle that you are here after one year. That type of cancer. And she lived for five years. Fighting, fighting, fighting. Only like two or three days before she died, I think, because these people have some feelings, you know? She would say to Brother Jackson, listen, I will leave. Make arrangements for the funeral. Don't fill the house with weeping and crying. At the funeral, people should come Nicely dressed, not in a, you know, weeping mood. Sing beautiful songs of joy. And take care of yourself. Thank God. I thank God 
when I meet this kind of people because immediately they impact you and you think of yourself and you want to be a better person. This morning, I hope you understand that holiness is a must. If you want to be a true child of God, you must allow the Lord make you, remake you like him. But that means holiness. It doesn't mean that you'll never have a temptation or a tendency. No, it means that when you have that temptation and that tendency, say, Jesus. Jesus. Not I, but Christ. He will do it. Second, we will not see the Lord if we are not made holy. We will not see the Lord. Third, holiness is very practical. He's doing those things. God doing those things in the heart and making you the most pleasant and most beloved person around. Okay, you'll find people led by the spirit of Satan. Oh, they will hate you. And you'll know that something good is in you when you see, hey, I have never, never done anything to this person. Why she, why does he act like that? Satan doesn't like holiness. So be prepared. Christ, the Holy One of Israel, was crucified. But praise God, the world is still under the, 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 the influence of the Holy Spirit. And many, many pagans will be attracted to God because you are made by the Lord a holy person. Would you like this morning to say, Jesus, I'm not holy. I recognize I'm not holy. But I know, I see now that you are in the business of making people holy. Here I am. Make me that person. Would you like to say that to Christ? I'd like to see your hands. Let's sing the song and come forward or stand or whatever and let's have a special dedication so that this reality, this divine reality will take place in me and take place in you. Shall we come forward? Those of you who would like to make a special, a special commitment. Say, Lord, I'm not holy, but I would like to be made holy. And this morning I have seen, I have heard, it is so easy for you to make people holy. Just as it was in the beginning to make Adam and Eve. Let's, let's be serious about that. Because the Lord says, I would like you to be like me. And I am holy, says the Lord. And not only that, but being holy is like being happy. Amen. You'll be the happiest person on this earth Amen. by becoming like me. And not only that, but around me, in my kingdom, are not unholy beings. Holy angels, holy, 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 holy. Let's kneel before the Lord and let's pray for his holiness in us. Oh, Heavenly Father, when we see a little bit of your holiness, we declare you like the unique God, most beautiful, most wonderful. And Lord, it's like we can't but love you. And we we see ourselves 
in a better, better than as we look at ourselves without looking at you first. We see ourselves, Lord, just as we are, terribly sinful, unworthy, unholy. And Father, we want to become like you. We give this morning access to your Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, our minds, our souls, our church, our families. And what you did in the beginning when you created Adam, you do again today, recreating us, Lord, into your holiness. Here are your people. You have put in our hearts that longing. It is not us who have sought you. It is not us who are longing for you. It is the Spirit of the Lord moving upon our hearts and, and, and influencing us to desire to be holy. Amen. Now, Lord, if you have done that and we believe you have done that, don't disappoint us, Father. Amen. Don't let us as we are, but make us as you are. Use whatever means you want. Use whatever process you want. But Lord, make sure that beginning with me and ending with whoever else in this church, in this group, we will all become like Christ. Holy, righteous, godly, sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit and the most practical Christians ever. May we live the holiness of Christ. May we live it out as we go into the world. And may the goodness of the Lord, the patience of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, the love of the Lord, may all this and whatever the Holy Spirit wants be manifested in our relationships here, in the family, and in the world. Father, thank you so very much for this topic, Lord. Thank you that you have never, never changed this standard. You are holy, your angels are holy, and all you are redeemed are going to be holy. So, Lord, we engage into this process. We re-engage, in fact. And I pray that this week, as we read the new material, I pray, Lord, that you make, you move upon your people's heart, that at least another one will be part of their moment of prayer. They will find ways to make small groups and to talk about this and pray and experience the holiness of God. We thank you, Lord, and we praise your holy name and help us to worship you in the beauty of your holiness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at 
as the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting SavingGraceSDA.org.